0: Today, we're going to talk about Ephesians one eleven. and so if you have your Bibles, please open up to Ephesians 1.11. Um, but before we start, let me just pray, and then we can begin. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to look at your Word and to see what you have to tell us. And we pray that our hearts would be soft, and that we would um, respond to you well, and that you would even help me to speak truly to you what you have said in your word. In Jesus' name, Amen. Alright, so if you have your Bibles, open up to Ephesians 1.11. If you were here in the morning, uh, Doug was talking about his inheritance, the golf clubs, from his dad. And as I was listening to him, I was like, wow, what are you going to do with golf clubs? Like, it has no interest to me. Um, But Doug was just so excited, and that's pretty much what he was saying in the morning. This is what he's going to get it from his father, and it's a special gift that he's received. Uh, the people of Israel, in the book of Joshua, their inheritance was this land, and we saw chapters and chapters of description of the land that they're going to receive. The inheritance that we are going to be that we are going to be talking about today is a different kind of inheritance. It's a special inheritance, because it's not just an inheritance that we receive for this world. So we'll touch on that a little more. Let me read Ephesians 1, verse 11. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things, according to the counsel of his will. The main point of the this talk is a perfect inheritance obtained by God, obtained by a perfect, sorry, a perfect inheritance obtained by a God whose perfect plan will be executed. So, Break that down, the, to break that down, the two points I have, the first one is a perfect inheritance obtained. And then the second uh, point is a God whose perfect plan will be executed. God's perfect plan. So, a perfect inheritance obtained. Um, similar to Doug feeling like it's a special gift, the golf clubs, there is a special gift that we have received. And so the question is, And it's an inheritance. And so the question is, what is the inheritance? And then we'll talk about why and how do we receive an inheritance? To get the answer to the question of what the inheritance is, you gotta look at verses three to 10, which is chapter one. And so, as we look at that, we see that the inheritance is eternal life. Um, It is not, like I said earlier, just land that the Israelites received. It's not just possessions for this world. Verses 7 in chapter 1 tells us that what we have in Christ, what we have received as our inheritance is redemption through the blood of Christ. It's the forgiveness of trespasses. This is the good news of the gospel. Uh, if, you have a, if you are a Christian, you've heard this multiple times, hopefully. If you're not and you're hearing it for the first time, I hope you know that you deserve only one thing. There is only one thing that you deserve, and that is eternal judgment. It is punishment before a holy God. Everyone is made in God's image, and yet, even though we were made to create, uh, we were created to worship God and glorify Him forever, every single one of us in this room and in this world has decided to reject God as our ruler, as the one who we should worship. And we've decided to worship and serve creation. Ultimately, we've decided to worship and serve ourselves. This is high treason. This is rebellion against the creator of the world. And this sin, along with all the rest of the sins that we commit, means that we are deserving of hell. Complete separation from God. All of God's goodness is not there in hell. It is only God's judgment and wrath. And that is the right thing. That's also a scary thing. And so, what is this inheritance we're talking about? It is the promise of eternal life. It is the promise of salvation, saving from this eternal state of hell that we deserve. God himself became a man. God lived a perfect life. Jesus lived a perfect life. Jesus died a death, a death that he did not deserve. If there was anybody in the world that did not deserve to die, well, there is only one person in the world who did not deserve to die. And it's Jesus. And he died. He actually gave himself up to be to be killed. He dies as dead to save human beings who don't deserve to be saved. Jesus on the cross makes that great exchange. Jesus gives righteousness freely, and he takes your sin and your punishment, the full wrath of God. He takes it on himself um, in his by, yeah, on the cross. And this is the good news. Um, because of this good news. Those in Christ Jesus now have an inheritance. And you need to be in Christ Jesus for that. So when you stand before the throne of God, if you are a Christian, your only plea is not I went to church on Friday on Sunday, or that I'd have done some good works. Your only plea is that you're clothed in Jesus Christ. It's his righteousness. He is your reason to be with God forever. And because you are in Christ, you will be counted righteous and you will have access to God. That is the inheritance. And that's the one that we have obtained already because of what Christ has done. But the question of why and how do we receive this inheritance, as we continue to look at that first part of the verse, what makes us worthy for this inheritance? What I want you to realize is that it's not just a gift to a friend, this inheritance we've received. It is definitely not a prize for a winner. We won some tournament or a payment for a task well done. This is an inheritance because what God has done for us in Christ is not just save us, but he also adopts us. We see this in verses 5 of chapter 1, that in love we are adopted as sons through Christ. It is an amazing truth, and it is something that is so unique to Christianity that God doesn't just... Forgive us of our sins and say, okay, now you are allowed into heaven. He calls us children. He calls us sons. This is what G.I. Packer, a theologian, uh, says. I'm just going to read this quote. Adoption is the highest privilege of the gospel. The traitor is forgiven, brought in for supper, and given the family name. To be right with God the judge is a great thing, but to be loved and cared for by cared for by God the Father, is much greater. That is good news. So we already had the good news of being saved, and now we see that the gospel is so much more deeper. Jesus does not just save us, he adopts us. God is not just your king, he is. He is not just your savior, he is. He is also your father. Jesus is your older brother. This is the inheritance we receive. Why is it an inheritance? Because we are grafted in through adoption is not just a gift, it is an inheritance. It is undeserved, that we all know, we all know our own hearts, and yet at the same time, because of who we are, it is a position that we are deserved, that, that we are, because of Christ we have deserved. It is a position that we are, or an inheritance that is fully guaranteed. As long as you, as God is your father, and as long as you are his son or daughter, you will receive the inheritance of eternal life with him. I want to ask you, what do you consider as your inheritance? Maybe you've thought about your earthly inheritance like Doug has and his golf clubs, which I still can't get over. Like, <laughs> Okay, anyways, we'll talk about it later. What you might get from your, maybe, yeah, what you're going to get from your parents. Maybe you've thought about what you're going to give to your children. Uh, But I want to ask you what you've been taught or maybe unconsciously expected from God. What have you expected to get from Jesus as an inheritance? Do you believe that now that you've become a Christian, you deserve to get that house or car? Are you unknowingly getting mad or frustrated at God in your heart because you believe your inheritance includes a husband or a wife or a family? Maybe you have, you're sure... That, or you believe that good health is a surety a promise to every Christian or is it something else in your life that you have claimed as an inheritance that might not be as clear it's not a promise that God has made at least in this world are you expecting something that you might only receive in heaven having the right biblical expectations of what our inheritance is will help us a lot Friends, our God is able to provide. So I hope that when I'm saying this, you don't hear me say, let's not pray. And let's not pray in faith. We ask God to work. The Bible is very clear that we are called to do that. So we ask God, please give us a house to stay in. God, please give me a car to drive. Provide for our needs. We don't ask that to indulge ourselves and use God as a vending machine or Santa Claus. But we need these things to live in this life. And so we ask God, provide Maybe it's provide a wife or a husband if you want, or children. Or maybe provide God good health for somebody who's really struggling in that area. All of this is not bad, but we need to remember that in this life, that's not a guarantee. What is the guarantee, at least on this earth, is that our greatest treasure, our greatest good, is that God has given us eternal life. If we trust in Jesus, our greatest problem is sorted out and we will be with God forever. So hopefully our hearts are not cold or deceived to put the lesser things, the real things that we need to deal with in this world, we don't make those lesser things more important than with the gift that God has given us, eternal life. So that's our first point, um, the inheritance obtained. And let's look at the second half of that verse now, which is the perfect plan executed. Let me go ahead and read that uh, second part. Having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Here's the thing. God's perfect plan has been executed and will always be perfectly executed. And so, yeah. As we think about that, let's think about God's perfect plan working out in the past. We see this throughout scripture, uh, but especially in the first part of God's, uh, of this chapter, God's wisdom and power in predestination. So I know, uh, or I don't know actually, what, when I say this word, what comes to your mind? There might be lots of things, lots of responses. I know it's a very tough topic. It's one that I've struggled with for many years, but it truly is a beautiful doctrine. And We're not going to go into all of the details of it and wrestle it all out, but I do want to encourage you to talk to one of the elders here or even to me if you want to discuss more about that what we do see though is some things very clearly written in chapter 1 of Ephesians and so verses 4 verses 5 verses 9 all clearly talk about God's predetermined will in saving people before the world was created God in his wisdom planned out how everything was going to happen we have to notice. We have to see that God, the Bible never attributes sin to God, but also make sure to let us know God was always and is always in control. He was in, he was so in control that he planned out how to save us before we were even created, before we even knew there was a need to be saved, let alone know how to be saved. God, in His mercy, planned it up. Um, he saw our desperate need for help before we knew we needed help. He also knew that we would never be able to save ourselves. And so he predestined us to put our trust in Christ so that we would be saved. Does this mean that humans have no agency, no ability to do anything? No, not at all. We make decisions all the time. And because we make decisions, there are consequences to those decisions, good consequences and bad consequences. We're not talking about fatalism. We're not talking about our actions having no control. But we know that all our actions are inside God's perfect plan that he has executed and he will continue to execute. Yeah, I wonder how this makes you feel. There's lots of questions that can come up with a conversation like this. Uh, So I encourage you to think about those questions, wrestle with them, talk about it with friends and with me or elders, anybody. But even with all those questions, I hope that as you think about God's kindness in his perfect plan, that it makes you feel amazed. It makes you feel amazed that God would care for sinners. We are talking about rebels, people who have uh, spit at God's face, that he would care so much that he would plan out this whole plan of salvation so perfectly. In his mercy, he chose us before any of our good works or any of our qualities could be seen. Um, yeah, and he has called us to repent and trust in Christ. At this point, I want to remind you this is good news, but it is good news for those who repent and trust in Jesus. It is not good news for everybody. If you're not trusting in Jesus, you are under God's wrath. There's only one way to enter God's throne and be okay you need to be covered. In Jesus, you need to be hidden in Christ. And so there's nothing to boast. As I stand here and tell you to repent and trust in Christ, I'm not telling you to do that because I'm a much better person than you. I'm telling you to do that because I'm as horrible or most probably much worse than you. But I can tell you with confidence that Jesus saves sinners. And so you can trust in him and he will, uh, he can save you. But it's not just salvation and predestination that Jesus is in full control of. As we look at the rest of that, or as we can, let me read that second part again. We see the second part of that verse. He says, who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So He doesn't just predetermine and save people. He also, in his wisdom, is working all things according to the counsel of his will. He executes his plan in the future too, absolutely perfectly. Everything that happens is in God's plan. Every single thing. Sometimes we think we can control things. And it's true, we can control things. And we think that because we can control things, that God is actually not in control. Or not actually fully in control. We sometimes feel that it's either we're in control or God's in control. I think I have often thought that, practically speaking. Or practically in life. I have often thought God will take care of the big things in life. He's in control there. But the little things, God can't control all of that. I need to deal with the details. i have often not really worried about the big issues of life, the stock markets crashing or uh, the global food crisis. Maybe that's just me. Maybe there are people worrying about that here. But i have not really worried about that. But I have found myself really deeply worried about the smaller things, so to say. My car breaking down or the AC in my living room not cooling. There's good reason to worry about that at this time, I understand, but, or you know, even a friend being mad at me. I've found lots of maybe smaller things to really be worried about. The reality is that all things are according to the counsel of his will. The big issues, the stock market crashing, and maybe the smaller ones like the car breaking down. Everything between both those issues is all, um, Controlled by God. And in His mercy, in His kindness, He's using every one of those things for the good of His people, for the glory of His amazing name. That's what verses 12, the verse right about, uh, below us, tells. It's all for His glory. He truly is in control. Friends, this doesn't make us passive. We work. We service our cars in the time that it needs to be serviced. We repair our ACs and fill gas in it when it needs to be done. We invest in our friendships so that our friendships are, they grow. But we work only knowing that we can succeed because God is in control of the world. He's not fighting and struggling to make things work. He knows how it'll all come together. So this can give us a lot of rest. It can give us a lot of rest in our evangelism, in our own fight against sin in our own hearts, in our living life with other Christians. And I hope it does give you rest today. Like God is truly in control. This time of year it is always a sad time for us, right? We say byes, goodbyes. And, um, and we'll continue to say goodbyes this week and in the coming weeks. But God's purposes, sovereign purposes, and his plans will prevail for all of his children. The thing is, it might not look exactly like what we want it to look like. We might have a perfect uh, a plan sketched out of what the best plan is God in his wisdom truly does know better than us we know that but we, every once in a while we need to hear that again we know that God knows better than us but sometimes we're like God can you just pause your plan just follow my sketch of how things should work and it's not it's good that he doesn't listen to us in those prayers and so for those of you going to Mexico or Pakistan for those of his children in India or in America even for those children in rack his purposes prevail. So we can take heart that Jesus will perfectly execute his plans. We have an inheritance that has been given to us by the always in control God, the God of the universe himself, so we can trust him.